0: Well, good morning once again, New Life Fellowship. Once again, glad you joined us for worship this morning as we continue to seek God together through the season that we're living in. Uh, it's a beautiful, been a beautiful week. It feels like summer finally came upon us. This morning I had a, I, I laughed to myself. I drove into the building and I noticed something on my windshield. And I, when I got out of the building, I realized it was my son's transformer, the robot, I had ridden on top of my car. And like I said to him, thanks for uh, joining me on this ride. Uh, it's been quite interesting uh, meeting here in this place on the, on the internet, on Zoom. But our hearts are knit together in Christ. Uh, it's been great seeing some of you on Wednesdays and seeing your faces and being able to pray with many of you and talk with you over the phone and text and messenger. Again, um, I'm just so thankful for the way that we are connected through this technology, connected in heart, as we are all in Christ together. But thanks for joining us for, the, for this ride that we're in um, as a church. And we are uh, constantly praying and seeking God's wisdom as the elders continue to talk and, and plan for the future here. So I think that one of, one of the great things about this series that we're in in 1 Thessalonians is it's a way for God to prepare us, uh, not only for the second coming of Christ or the time when we will go and pass away and meet with Christ. But First and Second Thessalonians are a great way to prepare us to come together as a church, something we haven't done in several months now. And I am way less concerned as your pastor, and I can, I can speak for the elders as well, for Jason and for Greg, we are far less concerned with when and how we'll come back together in terms of time, and date, and how that will go, and, and what, what, what procedures will be followed. We're less concerned about that, but, and we are much more concerned with what we will set out to be once we do come together. Who will we be as a church when we come back together? It won't be the same as when we were together before. It will be different. Uh, any, in fact, I mean, everything is up for grabs. Anything can change. We can, we can move with God and his leading and change anything about how we meet together in our services. And I think, indeed, the world that we live in and the church we have enjoyed is going to be changed. But we know from God's word that he is going to change it for the, for the good. Because God works out all things for the good of those who are called by him and love him. Uh, so who will we be? What will be our trajectory What will be our way of moving forward in our mindset when we come back together? This is a much more important question than when and how. We must patiently ask, who? Who are we going to be when we come back? If we don't focus on this question of who will we be when we come back, um, we are going to slip into a passive state as the people of God, which is the worst thing that could happen. It's like the death of the church to be passive participants. Um, and after an extended period of time of being separated and getting used to watching church on, on your screen, um, you know, perhaps maybe you started to, to kind of plug it into your headphones and do stuff around the house while you're listening and all those kinds of things. It's become a little less of a special thing. And it's, and it's easy to slip into this sort of passive mindset with musical worship, with, with the Word as the church. We don't want to do that. So we're going to talk today about how, who will we set out to be, and let's start today to be that church that we need to be when we come back together. Again, everything can change uh, when we come back together. Everything will be different, and how we think about this time and how we think about coming together is going to make all the difference. I sometimes preach in, in big chunks of of scripture. You know, when I'm going through narrative, the narrative, like in the book of Acts or Matthew, it's good to read the context of the story. Um, but with this series, I'm, I'm slowing down uh, because we're, go- we're going verse by verse through a letter. And I say go big or go home, so we're actually just going to focus on one verse today for our worship gathering. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1. Can you believe it? It'll be the shortest passage I've ever preached on, just one verse. So before we get into that First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1 uh, verse... Um, let's remember the context and the spirit in which Paul is writing this letter to this beloved church, which we talked about extensively last week. And to frame that, 1 Thessalonians two seventeen through eighteen, Paul says, "But brothers and sisters, now the word there, the Greek word is Philadelphia, which uh, which is um, we've translated to brotherly love, and actually Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia." Um, It turns out a much better translation of that word uh, is siblings, brothers and sisters. It's actually a gender-inclusive word that's used here, and it's it's kind of used very specifically. Um, Philadelphia, brothers, city of brotherly and sisterly love, sibling love, if you will. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, sound familiar? Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Maybe you can identify with Paul in this week and the last few weeks as things have changed with the government and the declarations that have been made. I think people are feeling that intense separation, that desire to come back together. it's hard to be patient and to work through it. But Paul was in that same mindset. He was ripped away from this new church he had planted in Thessalonica way earlier than he intended to, to, to leave. In some ways, Paul was actually anxious to see how the new church he loved so much was doing, especially because persecution had intensified in Thessalonica. And he was very concerned that this young church wasn't going to make it. So he sent his right-hand man, Timothy, to check in on them. And Timothy brought back an excellent report to Paul, which overjoyed Paul and relieved him of his burden of concern for the Thessalonican church, Thessalonian church. And he writes the letter First 1 Thessalonians in response to Timothy's good news. Let me tell you, the, the elders, the pastoral elders, myself, Greg, and Jason feel very much the same way that Paul felt when he sent Timothy and then got a report. As we are temporarily scattered and physically separated, the elders truly desire to know how everyone is doing. That's why we've checked in on Zoom on Wednesdays. Uh, That's why we've I've uh, been, been contacting many of you, and, and some of you have been having online small groups we've been checking in on. It's not because it's our obligation as elders. It's because we are a family, and we are concerned for the body that we don't see as regularly as we used to. And we, we want to know how you are. So I, I could identify with Paul and his desire to know, how is the church doing? You know, things have gotten tough. You know, some bad things have, ha- some, some difficult, painful things have happened in many families in our church during this time. Loss, pain, sickness. You know, how's everyone doing? This is the burning question for us uh, as as a church and as elders. And I can say on behalf of the whole elder group that we would love to hear from you um, anytime and to, and to talk to you and see how you're doing and to pray together and, and be family together. So this is the, the context that Paul's writing in. A relief of his burden of concern for the church, hearing a great report from Timothy. And this is our verse for the day for the day, 1 Thessalonians 1.1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Every church has its own structures of authority and organization. Anytime you get people together, you have to organize them. If you are a part of a denomination like we are, the Christian Missionary Alliance, then your structure is somewhat assigned to you, and it's derived from the Bible and how they interpret the Bible and what the Bible says about how to organize the church. And and also, you know, based on what has worked in history, you know, our church, a member of the Christian Missionary Alliance, is led by a team of pastors, which we call pastoral elders. And after all of our transitions last year as Pastor Aaron and Pastor Corey struck out to minister to new congregations, to new people in other places. And after a lengthy process of prayer and discernment in the body of Christ here, shortly before we we all went on lockdown, we recognized Greg Veach as a man gifted and called, as a pastor and leader among the body. And this, this church family all formally voted together and said, yes, we hear God's voice. We believe that Greg is to be one of the pastors of this church, and he joined the pastoral elder team along with Jason and myself, uh, which has been incredible. Our pastoral elders overseeing the church body is our denominations conviction based on the teaching of scripture. That's their conviction. And that's what I believe the scripture teaches, to be led by a plurality of pastoral elders together in a team. We certainly try to not only go after the letter of the law in the scriptures, though, but also to take it a step further into what is God's intention with this pastoral elder team. Because many times in churches, the churches begin to default to the senior pastor as a CEO or a boss of the whole organization. In fact, my kids sometimes say, Daddy, aren't you the boss of the church? I say, no, Jesus is the boss of the church. I am a shepherd among the church, but Jesus is the boss. But truthfully... All hardness and kidding aside, many churches slip into, even though they have pastoral elders, they slip into this structure where the senior pastor becomes like a CEO, like a boss. And, um, and the elders begin to function like an advisory board, if you will. And the senior pastor can either ignore them uh, based on what he wants to do, or he can listen to them. But that's how some churches have, have um, slumped into that kind of model. And that is the structure of the business world that we live in. You know, the boss has the final say. We, however, join Paul in his conviction and his demonstration that pastoring a church is a team effort. And this is something, when you have eyes to see it in the New Testament, when you read Paul, you will begin to notice how Paul always leads the church with a team of people. Always. It's never explicitly stated, but Paul always says, "Me and this person, and this person, and this person, so on and so forth." Paul is the only writer of First Thessalonians, but he makes it clear that the letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, his ministry partners, which make up Paul's pastoral elder team. And this team does not re- relate to the Thessalonian church as a board of directors under a CEO, but they function as a, as Christ taught them to, as servants of the body. They function as servants like Christ said, chief servants of the body and as responsible, mature family members among the church, overseeing the church with the gift in God's given them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is careful to say, do church as a team. Don't slump into the senior pastor being the guy and everyone else just being his advisors, but he just does what he wants. That's not right. Of anyone, Paul could have easily asserted himself and become a tyrant, he was a very powerful leader both before and after he became came to Christ but he always led on a team um, he says so he says Paul Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace to you Paul writes it but the content is from these three men Paul always models leadership as a team in every verse Uh, every letter he writes. And we have to be very vigilant at New Life, not just to um, talk about these things, but to actually orient ourselves to doing them and becoming a church that's led by a team of people. We must be vigilant to do church as a team, whether you're a pastoral elder or another ministry leader in the church. Church as a team is the way to go. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are apostolic church planters, meaning they have this authority and gifting from God to plant churches and do it very successfully. Um, Jason, Greg, and myself all have the spiritual gifts of of pastor-shepherd of the body of Christ. My fellow pastoral elders have other amazing spiritual gifts, such as wisdom, as teaching, and and prophecy, among others. And I always want to strive to do ministry like Paul did, so that when I deliver a sermon or start a new direction of the church, I can say to you, from Jason, from Greg, and myself, to the Church of New Life Fellowship, this is what we're doing. That's why when I explained the series and how we came to this, uh, to this uh, sermon series that we're going through right now, that last week when I explained that, it was all after we prayed about it, after we weighed the different options and sought God, and then decided as a group of pastoral elders that this is what God wants us to do. And truthfully... Uh, I have nothing without the team that God has placed around me of these these two men in particular, um, along with many others, but in particular the pastoral elders. And so to Greg and Jason, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for pastoring so many people every day amongst all the other responsibilities of your life and your households, with your families, with your jobs. You, uh, you are doing so well. And, and this is the, the pastoral elder team who loves the body and is serving it in new life. And may we always, we, may we never slip into this, you know, one guy doing the ministry thing. It's always got to be a team, always starting there. But it gets much bigger than that. It's not just that the pastoral elders are a team. Um, God's vision and God's vision for teamwork is much, much bigger than that. It's so easy to identify ministry partners for me when I think about it in the church, and mentioning every, any of them would run the risk of forgetting somebody. There's so many ministry partners I have at this church. Because the entire church is actually supposed to be a kingdom of priests unto God, according to Exodus 19.6, which is restated in 1 Peter 2.9, um, where it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. All of us are our, our team. We're all a priesthood of believers. We're not passive. We are actively engaging as a priesthood. In New Life Fellowship, you are not a business. You are a family. And this family is not run by a CEO. It is overseen by pastoral elders who think of you as their family, as an extension of their family, and seek to serve the family for its benefit and New Life Fellowship, the priests and ministers in this family are not the pastoral elders, but each member of the body of Christ. Every single one of you. I could truly, uh, easily put your names on a letter like Paul did and send it out to another church to encourage them. I could say, from Nathan, Jen, Caitlin, Jerome, and Carrie, to the Church of Saratoga, and God the Father, grace and peace to you. I could say, Nathan, Rob, Mike, and Becca, to the Church of Saratoga, grace and peace to you. I could say uh, from Nathan, from Tim, Rizaldi, Steve, and Linda, to the Church of Saratoga, we want to send our blessing, grace and peace to you. I could go on and on, writing letter after letter this way, because we are all partners in this ministry together, and you are priests to God. Just because we are separated, I have not lost this idea and this vision of God which is actually the dream of God. If you look carefully in the Bible, God's dream is to have a people for himself. It sounds a strange thing to say God's dream, but God's, God's vision has always been to have a people for himself. And we have not lost that vision, which is in, both in the Old and the New Testament. We are a priesthood of believers, uh, a team of people belonging to God, that we would serve God and bless him. And this brings us to the next section of this verse in 1 Thessalonians. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We must always strive as the body of Christ to remember God's vision and dream for the church, that we would be a kingdom of priests. And we equally must remember God's plan that we, listen very carefully, be a kingdom of priests to serve God. This is a a radical difference from the modern mindset of church or really just secular culture that is not Christian. Um, It's a radical thing to say that our church, our priests, everyone's a priest, and we are a kingdom of priests meant to serve God. That's why we're here. We're not here to serve ourselves, not here to serve each other, we're here to serve God. And of course, as we serve God together, the whole church is blessed. Uh, But the focus must be on us gathering together, everyone a priest, everyone a ministry partner, to serve God. This is why we are not rushing past this verse in 1 Thessalonians today. We have to pause and remember that when we come back together, our mindset needs to be a gathering of participating priests, not a gathering of passive consumers. WE NEED TO BE A GATHERING OF PARTICIPATING PRIESTS, NOT A GATHERING OF PASSIVE CONSUMERS. AND THIS WORDING AND MESSAGING IS FROM OUR PASTORAL ELDER, JASON HARMON, AND JASON, GREG, AND I DISCUSSED AND PRAYED ON THIS AT OUR PASTORAL ELDER MEETING A COUPLE WEEKS AGO, THAT THIS CHURCH WOULD BE A PARTICIPATING PRIESTHOOD, NOT A CHURCH OF PASSIVE CONSUMERS. AND EVERYTHING, EVERYTHING IS PUSHING YOU AND PULLING YOU TO BECOME A PASSIVE CONSUMER. EVERYTHING BEFORE THIS um, LOCKDOWN, was, was pulling you in that direction, and even more so now, you are being pulled in that direction because you are consuming church now the same way you consume Facebook. Think about that. You're a passive consumer. You are the product and Facebook is consuming you. You know, that's the mindset we have with social media. It's consuming you, right? That's why so many people need to take breaks from it from time to time. Um, but we could accidentally take that same mindset because we're looking at a screen and become, in our minds, passive consumers, even more uh, because of this time of separation. After, you know, watch an extended season of watching church on your smartphone, listening to me preach or, or, or band lead worship, um, how easy would it be to slip into, into being passive when it comes to church? And being passive, like I said, it's, it's, the gra- it's the, like the law of gravity in our world. It is the default. It is the law of the world that we live in in our culture. Passive consumer. Unless you engage the booster engine of intentionality, you will simply fall into the orbit of being a passive consumer. You have to, you have to rev that engine. You have to fire that engine if you want to get pulled away from the orbit of passiveness and passivity. God's dream, again in His vision, restated in the entirety of the Old and the New Testaments, is that we would be a kingdom of participating priests, not a group of passive consumers of church. Listen to this idea stated in Revelation in two different places, and notice how it's worded. Revelation 5:10, "You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth." Revelation 1:5 to 6 to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. We are not here at church to be served or even worse, to be entertained. We are gathering as the body to serve God and worship God. And this truth is why we must all come back to the building and gather together um, after the elders determine that it's the time to do so, and in accordance with safety measures, we must physically gather back together as the body, if we are able to, if it's safe for us to, because we must gather together to serve God together. It's so important. We can accidentally become a passive consumer when we watch church with our webcam and our off and our mic muted, and, and it can shape us. But don't let this time shape your heart and your intention towards God and his body. You must be a participating priest of God when you come back. This is why I say it's not important when or how it's important who. Who are we going to be when we come back together? So back to our verse of the day, 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In God the Father. The church, then and now, is to be centered in God alone and in Jesus Christ. God is the center of our church. I think I can, I can lead you in a, an imaginative exercise. If you'll close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself in our sanctuary here at New Life, if you've been here before, with your eyes closed. Um, we haven't been here together since March 8th in the building, but imagine, if you will, the rickety stage that we cr- We kind of climb onto, creaking as the worship band and the pastor make their way up to lead the church in worship and prayer to God. You are sitting in an aisle in the back, you are um, kind of tucked away in, in the crowd. That's an easy scene to imagine, right? That there's people on stage, you're sitting. Um, now imagine that that's reversed. That rickety stage is now underneath your feet. And we are all on the platform together. And God is sitting alone on a single chair, listening to us, watching us, looking on us with tender love, receiving our praises and adoration, forgiving us as we confess our sins to him, hearing our prayers for healing or deliverance. In short, Jesus is sitting before us. God is sitting before us, receiving our ministry to him we are all on the stage the cliche the corny saying is true it's an audience of one and that should not be taken as an individualistic sense we should think of our, our church as a collective of people as a body an organism of you know if you will um, we are all together serving as priests to the one to Jesus Christ imagine that we're all on the stage one chair and Jesus watching. All of us, no matter how capable or uncapable we may think we are, um, all of us, no matter how capable or uncapable we think may think we are, um, is a, we are all um, part of the body of Christ, and we are all serving an audience of one. This was the model in the tabernacle and in temple worship in the Old Testament. The model is priests serving God all day, offering sacrifices, prayers, incense, teachings, even cleanup work and janitorial work, all in and for God alone. That's what the priesthood was. And that hasn't changed except that we are all now priests through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by God's declaration. We've all been declared to be priests by Jesus. And now we all serve God together. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. I have a quote which says, in our world, worship is confused with entertainment, being good with feeling good, and faithfulness with being successful or blessed. Meeting the needs of the customers is said to be the key to church growth. More and more, in other words, we are viewing church in terms of what it can do for us. That trend is, of course, increasing, um, and, and, and there, are, there are a lot of people that will have two to five local churches to be their group of local churches. And on a given weekend, they will determine which church to attend according to what they need, what they feel they need. And this is especially dangerous now with the Advent of Video Church, that we would just be consumers with several different churches we sort of keep up with based on our needs. And people, you know, they they leave church saying things like, ah, my old church wasn't meeting my needs. Or people evaluate their church saying that that, uh, that service really blessed me. Or... I didn't really get anything out of that service. Again, these are not wrong things to say, but they reflect a mindset that I am here to be served, not to serve God. It's, the, it's nothing new, it's the water we swim in, it's the air we breathe, the way of the world in which we live. Everyone affirms that this is a fine and good way to be, but it is not good and it's not fine. In the same way, we evaluate our marriages and our jobs and our friendships and our families saying, you know, it's just not working for me anymore. What have they done for us lately in our culture? What have they done for me lately? It must never be that way in the church and in the family of Christ. Um, It's true, a, a sermon or a worship time can bless you, and that's fine to say it blessed you. And yes, God has provided the body of Christ to be a place where people's Spiritual needs and physical needs are met by others in the body. Those are good things. Those are good. But if the heart behind those statements is that, is that of someone who has become a passive consumer of church rather than an active priest among the church, we're going to run into problems in terms of what a church is supposed to be, according to God. According to God, in 1 Thessalonians 1, the church is to be a team of ministers working together, centered around God alone in worship, adoration and fellowship. We must not fall into the cultural trap set for us so that we begin to assess the church in terms of what it can do for us. And it's time to take on the mindset of what can the church do for God? What can we together do for God? When we come back together safely, responsibly, when the elders determine that it's time to come back together, the most important thing is not that we are back in the building as much as we might want that so badly. But in reality, the most important thing is that we have the mindset of a fighter. And this is okay to have this fighting mindset where you you will say, I will fight for this church, for my own heart, to be a church of participating priests who gather with God at the center instead of self, instead of myself or other people. So please, fight with me. This battle will not be won easily. Because everything from the world system to our own flesh, which, is, which we are trapped inside, will push us to the pole of passive consumer with the church centered around us. But you at New Life Fellowship have been called out as the church of God and the participating priest of the Holy One who is at the center of all we do and everything we say. So we're going we're gonna to come together for another time of worship right now. We're going to sing God's praises with the song "Is He Worthy?" It's asking the question: um, Is God worthy of everything, of all of our praise? God, we declare you're worth that you are worthy. God, you're worthy of all of our praise, all of our lives. And God, may we be a kingdom of priests who are gathered to worship and serve you when we come back together, God. May our mindset become this very intentional, fiery, fighting spirit that we are going to take this kingdom by force. We're going to take hold of it. We're not going to let go. We are going to be a place of worshiping God alone, an audience of one, together serving as priests unto God. Thank you for all your provision, all of your help that you've already given. Equip us for moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church. God bless.